Hi, I'm Emily Roger, host of the Boiling Point Podcast. My co-host, Dave Vale, and I will bring you thoughtful discussions with leaders who are positively impacting our world. This is The Boiling Point, where leadership and inspiration meet. Welcome back to The Boiling Point, hopefully back, or if you're new to this, welcome to the first Boiling Point podcast you may have listened to. We can edit all this out, by the way, Emily, because it's a bit of a clunky start for me. <laughs> I love it. I love a clunky start. Oh, yeah, really clunky. I was actually going to flip it to you and say, you're in a new space. I am in a new space. Yeah, I moved two weeks ago into a new home and slowly getting settled. I've uh, been here a total of just like four nights sporadically over the last two weeks as I've been traveling a lot. So it Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So that's, you know what, that's our start. That's always our start. Like, where has Emily been? Right. I I can't even begin to guess. Like I, I went to Halifax. So that was a big trip for me and my family. Actually, it was really nice. My nephews came with their parents. So my brother and his, my sister-in-law and our family and the cousins had not seen each other since COVID started. Oh, it was amazing to see that. So it was like a 16, a 15, a 13, a 12 and a six-year-old. And, you know, they're all kind of sizing themselves up because they hadn't seen each other. And, you know, think of how much you grow during those years. So it was it was awesome. It was so great to see them. And, uh, yeah, you just never want to have that kind of period of time. They're only in Ontario, which is not far from New Brunswick. And um, but just with, you know, I guess active families and all that. So so there's my travel. Where were you? Well, I knew that you were away because last weekend it was the celebration party for Greg Hemmings for his doctorate. And I was driving down thinking, I'm going to get to see Dave Vail. And no, you weren't there. I know. I couldn't believe it. Like I was lobbying uh, for Jessica, Greg's wife, to change the date just for me. You know, like, I mean, just why don't you just change the date for me? Because I could not go to Halifax because people are flying in. Anyways. Dr. Hemmings, incredible. I would have supported it. I had done a, um, with my On the Rise group, we had our adventure race that day. And so it was a six hour race with the the youth. And um, it was the mountain biking, canoeing and trail running. And it was like pouring rain and so cold that day. And I got done the race, like drove home, had the quickest shower, hopped in the car, went down and made it like just kind of in time, which was, it was such a wonderful celebration. And I mean, he's worth celebrating every weekend. So we can just have Jessica schedule another one. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what? We got to have him on. We do. Because that, and I know he's very humble. He's, you know, he doesn't like want to be called Dr. Hemmings and all this kind of stuff. But I just thought, you know, he didn't put himself forward and he's totally worthy of it. And he's, uh, he's just, as we both know, an amazing individual, but we're going to, we're going to shift the conversation. And I want to ask you about how do you tap into being creative or your creativity? Exercise and being outside. So if I am needing to write something or needing to kind of construct a keynote or a public speaking thing or writing an article, usually things come to me when I am out on my bike, out running, out fishing. Yeah. Something where like I am in movement and kind of away from my office. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Right. So that's like, I, for me, it's exercise as well. Like I, I remember one of, you know, one of my better ideas that I actually followed through on, cause you know, you get a million great ideas and then it's a million dollar pledge where we, we got a group of companies together to donate money to the, through the United way. And 
and we're in our sixth year. But that was that was like listen to a podcast and just free thinking, and then all of a sudden this one these for me really cool ideas that seemed like so possible right in front of me. Yeah, and it was it was during exercise. So yeah, and I think the key is then acting for me acting on them right away. Otherwise, they're gone. <laughs> okay, to, to that point. So I even came up with the name, everything, and I phoned the executive director of the United Way, uh, Wendy McDermott at the time. Like I left her a voicemail. It was a Saturday because I knew if I didn't do that, I would, you know, think about it a Monday, but, you know, it would be all these other things I have to do. And that kept me accountable. So it's to your point, right? It's just about about doing something with it right away. Excellent. So on creativity, our guest can share a whole bunch. She's going to put her camera on, Jennifer. And if for people that are watching, Hello. you can you just look at Jennifer with this mural behind her. I'm going to call. Is that would that be the correct terminology for that? Well, it's on a canvas, so it's technically a painting, but it's large. It's huge, so just like an oversized painting. A mural would go on a wall, I think, is a fix. Okay, okay, got it. See, this is the learning that's important. So, Jennifer, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Dave, for having me. So, as you know, we have our guests introduce themselves. And I know you and Emily feel like you know each other because we had a little a little bit of a discussion before this. But why don't you introduce to the listeners and to Emily who Jennifer is? Well, um, I am an artist, um, so I paint, and I'm a mother of um, two creative little girls, um, and I'm the founder of a charitable organization uh, that brings artists together and into schools to inspire our next generation of both artists and I just want to say creative thinkers in general. And uh, I've known Dave for a little while. And at our last get together, I was talking about uh, what I do. And we were in a circle. And there was a few different people that were asking me. And so I said to Dave, oh, you're going <laughs> to hear what I do again. And then finally, he started uh, kind of giving my spiel for me. And I said, thanks, Dave. <laughs> Keep at it. So I was, was explaining. So it was really cute. And um, asked me. So he's brave enough to hear the story um, another time today. And other parts of the story. Because yes. we have some really good uh, cheat sheets here with a whole bunch of information on you, but we were talking about creativity, and this a big part of the SD Art Initiative is really about supporting people being kids being creative and tapping into their creativity. Would that be would that be accurate? Absolutely. So we focus mostly on students in elementary school, generally it's grades three, four, and five, and we've picked that age because we're really creative when we're younger. And unfortunately, I think as we get older, we lose it. So some people live, I'm not creative. And they think like, when you were four, you might have been. And so we want to really foster what's there and, you know, pour fuel on that fire to be even more creative. So at this age gap, they're young enough that that imagination is still wild. And, you know, we see how far we can take that. Um, but yet they're old enough that their motor skills, you know, to hold a pencil and a paintbrush are developed enough that we can really teach, you know, transfer of knowledge with techniques and blending and they can actually do it. And then our, our other goal is to really support their creative confidence before they head off to middle school. Because a lot of people know that can be kind of a scary time and all oh, my friends don't think it's cool or I'm not good at that. So if we can send them more confidently. So as in all of this, you've heard me say right off the bat, what are our goals? And they're not necessarily to make everyone a gallery artist. It's all the other stuff that happens through making a cool painting. 
Beautiful. Yeah. Those like byproducts of art, of recreation of, and I love that you added the, not just art, but other kind of creative realms. Cause I'm sure for those youth, it sparks other thoughts. They are like, and they make me laugh every day. And it's a two-way street because I inspire them, but they inspire me equally. So, you know, I'm feeling like, oh, I don't want to leave the house today or I don't have it in me. And then I go there and the energy. So we talk about what gets you up and, you know, exercise is a great source of renewing energy. And for me going to a class and feeding off, you know, can I put a top hat on my shark and can he be on his way to a birthday party with his friend? But it's like, yes, he, you know, you can do all those things. And I feed off that for sure. So ages like eight to 10, is that the grade three to five? Ish? Yeah, they're grades three to five. So generally um, eight, nine and 10 years old. And so what our program does is we um, we have a team of artists. Of course, it's regrowing after COVID. At our peak, we were, you know, 40-ish artists throughout New Brunswick and would go to schools. We do guest speaking, you know, go in, talk to every child. Here's a painting, an example of an acrylic painting. Does anyone know what that is? And talk a little bit about the properties and some of the science of it. And, you know, this is a watercolor. So one is high on our opacity scale and one's on our, you know, very translucent. And what does that mean? And actually showing them and they can touch it and, and be there and try and also give while we're there our school teachers, some tips and tricks that they can use in their classrooms. Because that's something I go to a lot, you know, a lot of people know my name, but some people don't. And they're like, the art lady's here. (laughs) And just, (laughs) and that's fine, you know. Um, And the kids, sometimes they'll call me the crazy art lady and that's equally okay. Say, I'm going to say this crazy thing and we're going to maybe draw something in a way you've never done before. Like maybe we're going to draw upside down or we're going to like not us upside down, but the the painting. And, um, you know, there's all sorts of different things. And so I say, you know, trust the crazy art lady was one of the, (laughs) one of the lines. So I've known as the art lady in the schools, I go in and teachers will also say like, can I take a couple of notes of those tips and tricks? And it's like, yes, for sure. Or, you know, I did this technique here or try this so that they can all see that. And then if students like what they've learned in school, in sort of our mini presentations, we'll say, you know, professional artists are going to come to your school once a week for 10 weeks. So we'll be at your school every Tuesday or every Thursday or whatever it is. And we'll work with you for an hour and a half, 10 times. And so we will bring all of the materials, all of the curriculum and work with these kids and they lead the subject matter and we turn it into a curriculum. So when we talk about being creative and I never run out of ideas of things to teach because it's all the stuff the kids want to do. So we'll do a big brainstorm. If you could learn to paint anything in the world, what would it be? And then we have this ginormous you know, list of things to pull from. And then I'll look through that and go, okay, I can just vision it as a curriculum. Envision it you know, as a finished piece. And, and we'll, we'll sort of take that there. So I have a blast doing it. And I'm so thankful to be back in the classroom. Like we did a bit virtually and with some of our little bubbles and and stuff. But um, this past semester, I would say, was the first one that felt normal after the last few years. Yeah. How long has this program been in operation? Um, My very first classes were in 2006. So it's been around for a bit. When I started... I um, was actually teaching art in my studio, just in my home. And I would, you know, fit two or three kids. And I'd actually approached a school and said, you know, I need a bigger space. And can I rent your cafeteria? <laughs> and and started an art class there. And uh, that was the beginning. And then so 
parents heard about it the second year and yes, we want this. And then, so we started with three schools in 2006. And at the time it was really just an extension of my studio. So if parents could pay for an art lesson, then the kids could come. And I call them my original three. So the pr- the three principals who welcomed me into their schools to do this was uh, Park Street and Garden Creek and Priestman. So those are all Fredericton schools. We're now province-wide. So we started there, but then I also had uh, a principal approach me. He said, you know, I've got this student, really creative, doodles all day long. Home life's a bit of a challenge. And I just know not only would the family not reach out for art lessons, but wouldn't have the means would you consider just kind of letting him slide in? And I said, sure, no problem. Anyway, so he joined. And that was the beginning of the end of the for-profit. So we have since become a um, a full charity, but we went from that to nonprofit to charity because, um, and I'll get goosebumps still, it was in 2008, probably at this point where we had, you know, only a couple of years in, but the homeroom teacher of that in particular child, that was our first one that we just kind of, you know, slid in. Uh, made a point to call the principal who made a point to call me to say, please tell the art program, thank you for letting our student in. He's all of a sudden raising his hand in class. He's participating. He brings his sketchbook every day. He is so proud to show his friends and he's never been more proud. And it's just made such a huge difference in his every day. And so like that feeling carries with me ever since that moment. And it became really important to me that we exist and the why. And so if kids are going to school because we're there and they feel more confident in math the next day, we're like, how can I do anything else? Really? So I said to a couple of other principals as we grew, so right, we were three schools and then we were six and then we were 20 and then we were 75 at the max um, before COVID. But I had said to a few principals, you know, if you have a situation like this, the student that would really benefit, let me know. And so to, I was kind of, in a little bubble, because they're like, Jen, that student's everywhere, you know, and, and you were moved by that one child, but we have them in all of our schools. And once that floodgates opened, that was really when we switched to be a nonprofit and a charity for No Child Turned Away, because they really feel like it's important. It's just, it's more than coloring. It's more than I'm going to draw this picture of this thing. I really think it's a big part of our brain development, our confidence how we think, like it does something in our brain. I'm not going to talk about the science of it because I'm not the science of it or, you know, a, a scientist. I just know from experience what that can do. And when I see that happen to the kids, I'm all in. So I heard some of these parts of these story a few times when we were together. It's amazing. It's very moving. You know what I mean? Like to hear in particular, the zero child turned away. So, you know, if someone listening will go, well, how does that work? Like, how can you do that? How do you fund it? So, so how does that work? Okay. So as creative people, I think there's a creative solution. And I'd like to t- uh, thank Dave because he's part of, of the creative solution. So what we've done is when so the students are with us on average 10 weeks, so because they got 10 projects, I hope that you're proud of all of them. But which one are you really like? Oh, I can't believe I did that. It's so good. And I'll say, can I borrow it? And then what I do is I have it professionally framed. And then local businesses rent the artwork for one year. So what we do is during the school year, we teach art. And in the summertime, we turn businesses of every kind into art galleries, restaurants, coaching companies, law offices, accounting, you name it. We will turn anything into an art gallery um, with their artwork. And so businesses will pay a rental fee and they get art for one year. Uh, The fee covers 
the frame, the delivery and installation of the art, labeling it all, you know, making it fit the space well, and then one child's tuition. So we call it the one-for-one art loan. So for every piece of art rented, a child's tuition is complete. So we have a lot of art. So my, my call to action on this is anyone that hears it that wants to fill their boardrooms, waiting rooms, you know, anything with art, please call me because that is what really helps us exist. So if I, can I show a piece? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me no, because I'm already going to pick it up. So, <laughs> so oh, we've got gosh. this like. Right. So they all get framed like this. So sometimes when people are like, well, you know, what kind of art is it? Is it, it's kids art. What is it going to look like? Sometimes they're like this and this, and they all name them, which we talk about creativity and naming them is a whole other thing. So this one, so we did cows. Um, this is a little girl from Ormacto and she calls it candy cow. because <laughs> She made it look it. like candy. Like, I don't know if adults are creative enough to make a cow and look, make it look like candy and call it candy cow. So <laughs> that's just, candy, a little, that's, hilarious. Yeah, that's just a little example. And so we make, you know, we, we really treat our young artists like gallery professional artists and they're so proud. So this started as a fundraiser, as a means to go, how do we, how do we have no child turned away? And what that means is, and parents, all families, pay between zero and a maximum of 60% of what it costs us so that it's a accessible program. We really just want kids to be able to be there. So it still works as a fundraiser, but it's equal parts. The kids can't wait to have their art on display. So I'm not going to lie. I'm feeling a little tight chested in the pressure that I have every time I see a child, Jennifer, where's my art? Where's it going to go? Like, it's going like, give me a hot minute. I got a thousand to go through. So <laughs> it does take a little bit. But when I started, it was myself literally going around with, you know, I have art and a hammer and nails in the back of my car at any given time. So if someone says, yes, they're like, when do I get it? I'm like, I'll be back in five minutes. <laughs> like now? I'm like, yes. <laughs> how did we get connected initially? Like, I'm just trying to imagine how, because like, I love the idea it was, and by the way, call to action. Uh, there's another office space that we we use that has is so ugly, like in terms of nothing on the walls, because I'm there with two other men. It's bad, right? I can fix it, Dave. No problem. So can you fix that for me? I have a solution for okay, you. Okay, great. Please sign us up for another piece. But I mean, initially, I, someone must have introduced us because I don't I don't remember you coming to knock on my door with a hammer and nails. And saying, no, there are people that are going to tell you stories of she just showed up with, you know, a portfolio was like, see that wall? Like, I'm going to put a painting on it and I'm going to send you a bill. And they're like, okay, great. You know, a great idea. So I think with us um, and a lot of people that rent art are uh, Wallace McCainers. Oh, okay. Yeah. For listeners that don't know the Wallace McCain, that's how we know each other, I guess. And the Wallace McCain has this program called the Entrepreneurial Leaders Program. And you are ELP, what, nine. Eight, nine? Nine, yeah. Yeah, so the ninth year, and I was five, and then, but I don't, I, we talked about this. My our, our friend Bruce was the one that delivered the workshop to, that, that Vision Coaching does for each of the groups. So I wouldn't have met you that way, but but anyhow, somehow we got connected. And what was really interesting, Emily, is if you listen, Jennifer will say, like, I heard her say this the other day. So we went to a New Brunswick Medical Society. They were at a chamber event at the Medical Society. yeah. And we do a bunch of work with New Brunswick Medical Society. So I was there just to check it out and hear. It was really cool. And it was, it was more, it was a lot of um, 
hobnobbing and you know what I mean? And get people getting to know each other and that sort of thing. And Jennifer said this funny thing. She said, you know, I'm just not really good at marketing. I think is what she said. And I'm like, I'm listening to her right now. And I listened to her that day. I'm like, ah, Emily, would you agree with that? You don't even need to be good at marketing because what you do markets itself for you. Yeah. And and the way she tells a story, like, it's like, okay, we got to get you on a podcast. We got like, you know what I mean? Like we got to tell the world about this, but I just, it just cracked me up because I was like, I could see people, you know, like ready to write checks right there. So, you know, just look good at work. Yeah, no, I'm I'm already sold on it. You do a phenomenal <laughs> job, Jennifer, at marketing it. And so with that, do people, you said you go around with a portfolio. So do people get to choose the artwork or is it chosen for them? Sort of. So we collect the art, photograph it, label it, put it in our system, and I send it to my framer. And she has, and I'll call her and say, you know, next top 10 off the top, next 10 off the top, because my fear is to ever have a child's art not chosen. Yes. They're all of equal value. And so they can pick, for example, if someone says, you know, my grandchild goes to this school, could I have one from that school? Or, you know, if there's an extra connection or, you know, some of the things we do, like, Matthew, age nine, pineapple. So like, that's on its way to the framers. We might put that one in a restaurant or something food related, but it really, you get what you get. And it's part of the fun. And that's the best way to do it personally. I think like, if you show me 10 pieces, I wouldn't even know what to pick. So that's way better. Yeah. The space I'm talking about is really drab. It's what needs to be colorful, something in my my thinking. So just so it needs you know. a candy cow is what it needs. It needs a candy cow, right? And some of my favorites have been ones where it's a real juxtapositioning. Like the first one uh, that the Fredericton Chamber of Commerce took, you know, so it's business, it's chamber. And they had one called Party Llama. And it, it was perfect. So it had a big party hat with pom-pom and a like a pink heart striped sweater. And I said, that is exactly what they need. (laughs) (laughs) So, and some of the stories I get from my renters, so people get them for a year and then I'll call a year later and say, you know, I hope that you've loved your party llama and candy cow for the past year. They're due back to the student. So that's the other thing is we say to the students, we borrow it, we don't take it. So goes up on the wall, gets labeled, we take pictures, call the parents, your child's art is, you know, wherever. These are the business hours. If we want to go in and see it, they can. And then a year later, we give the artwork back to the child. So my hope is that when they're 40 and they have their candy cow still in a frame, and it will still continue to tell the story of when I was eight, my art hung at the bank or in the restaurant or, you know, wherever it is. So they get that artwork back. And so when I go to do the swap out, I love talking to people and often receptionists because it's like a lot of time it's in, you know, they're the person, they're like the comments that we got about that this year were hilarious. And people said this. And so it's just neat to hear how it's affected different kinds of businesses when they have it in their place. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. 
We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. So with it being in the school system, then does it take place during school time or is it after school? When do you, how do you structure that? Both, but mostly after school. So our free in-school presentations to everybody are in school. So I'll often go as a guest speaker to an assembly, for example, or I'll go class to class and, and really engage them, let them know about the opportunity. But then our core program is you stay after school once a week for 10 weeks. So they don't have to go anywhere. Parents do need to pick them up and they've done their, their program. So it it's as accessible as we can possibly make it in terms of where to get there and transportation and all that stuff. So we try to be at every school so that students aren't, you know, attending this school during the day and going over here. So we're saying, you know, we're coming, we're coming to you. You stay there, we come to you. And do you run them back to back or do you put through a cohort and then wait a while? We have, so we can take up to 25 per class per school, but we have a lot of schools that more than that want to stay. So that's a great problem. We have a few schools that more kids stay after school than go home. Hmm. So <laughs> and I, I get really excited. They're like, the bus is empty on our day because nobody wants to go home. So that's really fun. Uh, so we do 10 weeks in the fall and we do half of our schools in the fall. And then we do half of our schools in the spring. And then that little time in the wintertime and summer is when we are madly putting um, hooks in people's walls. It's kind of like a rotation as, as a business. And so we create one curriculum each year. And so some students will do it in the fall and some will do it in the spring. So if they don't get it twice, it would be the same thing. And then every year, you know, we switch out to do new things. Are the artists who facilitate it, are they volunteer? How do you find... So I belong to every art group there is. The New Brunswick group, this, I go to every craft fair. I just live in the art world. Every art battle, every place that artists go, galleries, restaurants. You know, when you see art on the wall, I like, who did that? And what's their story? And they want to be part of this. And so when we run a class uh, with up to 25, right, in, in one room, no matter if that class is in, Bathurst or Moncton or St. John, they're getting the same curriculum with the same level of materials. That's sort of standard. There's new artists in each city and each artist has their own specialty. So I say, take advantage of that. You know, if we've got an artist in St. John, that's an, an incredible watercolor artist, they should lead that one or, or do extra things. Or if they're, um, you know, we had one artist in Fredericton who really specializes in like fairy theme kind of stuff. And he did fairy castle. He made tree trunks, fairy castle tree trunks and showed the kids how to do that. So it's really collaborative with the different artists. So I, I'm just involved. I don't know if you can tell I'm a kind of social person anyway. So I like going to the things and meeting the people. And I ask a lot of questions about artists and people and where they go and what they want to do. And then we have some people that just love the program and love kids. 
and they're in the classroom. So at 25, we would have a minimum of two people in the classroom. So we'll have our artist lead it. And then if both people are artists, bonus. But I really need to make sure that there's like an emotional artist or an emotional support person in there as well. So for example, our person that is great at drawing and great at drawing big, we draw big on the the board so they can see, you know, follow us. Sometimes art can be a bit scary. Sometimes you're like, I don't know how to do that or right. And so it can bring out a lot of different emotions. So I say to the role of the emotional person, I said, I got you, I need you to walk around and I need you to look at the eyes. Are the eyes excited of like, I got this, or this is the look of I'm frustrated because I can't get that nose right or whatever. And I say, so you're the person and, and instead of me stopping the class, whoever's in front of the class to say like, okay, Dave, what's wrong? Can't you get the ear? <laughs> so, you know, like, okay, like go tiptoe beside that person, kneel down. Can I help you with a step? Are you, oh yeah, I can't get this. Okay. How can I help you? So there's really sort of a specific way we go from the start to the end and each role in what we want the outcome to be. And I can't stress it enough. The end product is not the main goal. It's like, yes, we're going to draw pineapples today and you're probably going to have a great pineapple, but having someone support you through that and making sure that stepping outside the comfort zone, which it all is, is just done in a way that's really supported. So we have two people. So they're not all artists. I guess I went on a tangent there. I apologize. I do that. But we have, you know, when I'm finding people, we want to have some people that can really answer the artistic questions. Like there's this green and I want a darker green. How do I mix that? So someone that knows color theory that can help them get the shade that they want. But then somebody else is just going to make sure that they're happy. You know what I, I like about you paying the artists is that I've talked to some artists who say, everyone's asking me to donate my time or my a piece. And they don't like, this is what I do for a living. Like, do they come to you and say, Hey, would you come and donate coaching time? Well, I do sometimes, but, but you know what I mean? Like that's a piece I never considered, but that's awesome to hear. Artists get asked more than anybody. And I heard a quote once and it's like, okay, if you're, you know, or if you're building this the city's building a new building and they'll say, you know, what artists want to, donate their art, but they're not going to ask the roofer to donate the roof. Right. Exactly. Why? Why is that? And so I am very much, no, you are an artist or you're the emotional support worker that's making sure that they're having fun. That's valued. And also I want people to show up and feel valued. Right. So if you often have people in the community that say, listen, I heard about this. Can I volunteer? Sure. You can be a third person. We'll never say no to a volunteer that wants to come. And can I wash brushes? Can I, I just want to support this because I believe in it and I want to volunteer. Yes. If you're in a position that you can, but a lot of artists are really depending on this. And I feel proud that I can be part of their puzzle. So a lot of artists live life of a puzzle. And so if artists are listening, a lot of them are going to like, I feel like they'll just, yes, you know, so artists, they have their painting and then they have their side job where they have their teaching and they, you know, it's not a nine to five. So I will really chat with each of my artists. What is it that you're trying to accomplish and how many hours do you want and where do you want to be and how can we fit you in? So everyone's level of involvement is different just depending on who they are. 
And anyone that I'm a piece of their puzzle, I just appreciate that because this program is my baby. And if they want to be part of it, like I'll do whatever I can to help them be their best to bring that to our kids. Can we go back to uh, the art lady giving us some advice about the adults here that really should try to tap into his creativity a little more? Now, having said that, I think entrepreneurship is very creative for me and I love it, but I'm just curious, like, and I read this really excellent book a number of years ago by Dan Pink, Whole New Mind. And it talks about blending the the right, right brain and left brain thinking, you know, and the fact that the world really is going to appreciate people using, being able to tap both sides. So being logical and rational and also being creative. And then he gave kind of a number of ways to support developing left brain thinking. And so, you know, the idea of play and all this kind of stuff. And I've actually incorporated it into some workshops uh, that I've led with leaders. So you got like lawyers and <laughs> professionals. <laughs> and we, I, w- I actually took them down to St. Andrews and had, um, I can't remember what the place, it's right on the on Water Street or whatever that the main, main street is. And Berg Shores. Yeah, that is, that's exactly, yeah. And then we'll go upstairs and I had someone take it. <laughs> and it, what was funny for me watching it was just how stiff everyone was at the beginning. And then and then there was like this silence and then people will get really into it, like to a person, right? Like, so that's my kind of exposure. But what, would, what advice would you give? One, just try it. What's the worst that can happen? You do a painting you don't like? Okay, like just try it. You know, get some stuff, get some, get some paint and a brush and just try it or sign up for a course. And it might sound kitschy, but the, the first thing I teach all of the kids is to have a happy pencil. You sound like you sound like Bob Ross, or was that guy? Yeah. That- <laughs> yeah. We do um, reference Bob Ross sometimes. This is going to sound crazy, but the crazy art lady, like just trust her, right? A pencil. We use pencil for all sorts of things. We use it for math, spelling tests, but also art class. So we want to make sure before we do anything that our pencil knows that we're in art class and it's not in a spelling test because this is a not a stressful place. This is art class. Just like cradle it. It just feels loved. If it's tight like this, like you get the dints in your fingers, it's stressed out. That's in a test. So just cradle it. And if you really want it to feel like it's in a good place and it's going to help you do this creative thing, put your pinky out like your royalty. And now it feels like the queen pencil. And then do this with me. And then we're all going to do this with me. And don't drop it. But it's so happy and it's so exciting. And the energy is now flowing. And it's almost just also like this weird icebreaker of like, is this crazy art lady saying, but it's true. And it just, it will flow. So like, take a deep breath, relax. It's going to come out easier. So like you said, I could see these people being tense, right? And it's first day and what are we going to do? And, and my, I'm holding my pencil so tight, just let it go. And then once you let it go, it's where the magic happens. Then you just, you get into it and then you're hyper-focused and time is a neat thing. And so when you hit, and I know lots of people talk about being in the zone or being in flow or being in a state of like, once you've let go of the test pencil and you're in the creative Zen mode, time flies and you're just in it and you let it happen. And one thing goes to the next. And the other thing I say to the kids, which is still, let's say to adults, draw a line like this, one line. And then I'll say, you know what? You just did the hardest part. The hardest part of the whole drawing is done. And again, they look at me like, it's crazy. What what is she saying? I said, we started. That's the hardest part. The hardest part is starting. So just keep going. 
So I would say to you, start, it's the hardest part, and take a deep breath, hold whatever tool you have in your hand, like you are royalty, and make it happy, and then show me what you've created, and you will surprise yourself, I think. I got, I'm just looking at my easel across. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this a whirl. I'm going to try this. <laughs> Good advice. Well, and even um, like reflecting back on me asking you if people can pick what our piece that they get. And it like, I immediately, which I hadn't thought of this in years, thought of being a little girl. And this would have been like 35 years ago now. And I lived in a small town. I had three sisters and there was always a coloring contest at the gas stations. I feel like that was like a thing back then. Maybe it still is. I don't know. But my older sister, Katie would win every single coloring contest. I never won. <laughs> My painting, my picture was never up on the thing. But then even like, I remember being in high school and being timid to like hand in my art to art 101, whatever it was. And even just thinking now of like, oh my gosh, like how deeply rooted was that probably in like, well, mine wasn't chosen. Mine wasn't the best. Mine wasn't good enough to get put up in the wall and how uh, damaging that probably was. Yeah. Now everyone gets to put a piece. Sometimes, you know, it will help them decide if they're not sure. So we'll talk about things like composition and some things will look better from afar and it's, they're all in the white frame and so color and we'll stand out and, and, and different things. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, what are you most proud of and let's show it off. And the names, I can't tell you, like I crack up as I turn them over and, and they're just, they're really comical and I love that part of just art in general. Like we have a piece upstairs that it's like together alone. And this is like, it just pulls it all together. And so for me that I get, I don't know, somehow my brain works is I want to know what the artist named it, you know, that could, tells me a story, right. Helps me understand. It'd be interesting to, and you may have done this, but I'm just imagining tracking your students and f- finding out the impact this had on them 10 years down the road, 15 years. Do you know what I mean? Like that would be, are you doing anything like that? Or I'm sure you've considered it. Yeah, I've considered it. Not my specialty being that organized of an artist to, you know, (laughs) have those things in place. Might be a neat project to do though. Not for you, maybe someone else. Yeah, it would be a great project because now that we've been doing it since 2006, there are definitely students. So I've been out um, with my, you know, traveling portfolio with my candy cow and saying, you know, you need this. And the amount of places I've gone in and whoever's greeted me is like, I took this program when I was eight. Yeah. Now you're working in a doctor's office. So you just made me feel really old. Like I still have my art book and my, you know, the things that they did um, when they were there. So it's definitely been around enough that people are telling me as adults that they still remember doing it. I had another business rent and uh, he's like, my kids are off in university. He said, but I'm pretty sure that they took this when they were eight. And I'm pretty sure that their mother kept their sketchbook because it was so good. And so we've only been renting art the last few years, sort of just before COVID. When I hear stories about, you know, we still have the artwork up that my kids, they were eight, you know, it warms my heart. I bet. So how do people learn more about you and the SD Art Initiative? They have great people like Dave Vale to go. Start, start marketing better. You're clearly passionate about it. You just start very good at being on the right things. <laughs> so we all have things to get better at. 
And I say I'm not good at marketing, not because I'm not passionate or don't want to talk about it. Clearly, that's not the issue, but just really directing people to our website or being more vocal online. So sdart.com is probably the best place to go. E-S-T-E-Y, so S-D-Art. So S-D comes from that as my maiden name. S-D-Art.com and our Facebook page, S-D-Art, would be the best ways to like reach us. And there's, you know, contact us on, on both of those things. So if anyone wanted to send a message saying, hey, I listened to this and I need a cow in my boardroom. Great. I'll be there. No, no you won't have it. I, I get the, I think, unless it's already spoken for. Handy cow, I think is still up for um, adoption. I think Emily hit it on that. Like, yeah, it's got to come to the St. John office, the other St. John office. <laughs> what I love so much about it is that like you could show me candy cow and I would not have a clue if an eight-year-old painted it or a 65-year-old artist. Like, it's just, you never know. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing about art. <laughs> Some of them are, you know, just, they're really impressive. And there's a look that I've gotten to know. And, um, you know, I'm seeing a student and they're done and they're, they're looking at it, but I can't explain other than there's this look that I've come to recognize and I can't get enough of it. And I'll go over to them. And like, what are you thinking about? And they'll smirk and they'll smile. I'm like, you're really proud, aren't you? They're like, no, <laughs> like we hold it up so you can really look at it and take it all in. It just doesn't get old. I just, no, clearly not. So I just say, please read art so I can continue to do this thing that I love. Like, that is what is going to keep this going is by businesses saying, fill my boardroom with art. Right on. Let's make that happen as best we can. And I just, I, I can't help but think of all the positive impact you can have in the, and it's just the importance of that, that age, having a child that's in kindergarten and then having, you know, grade eight, like the difference in, they all started the same way, very creative and, and hopefully our, you know, our youngest doesn't lose it. Like the other two just slowly kind of got, you know, got away from it. So I think, you know, having something inserted in there is just so important, right? Uh, my, my mom would tell a story about, you know, Mrs. Mattiation, who is my kindergarten teacher. I don't know. And her, according to her, she beat the creativity out of me somehow. I don't know. It, I, there's some story behind it. I wasn't holding my pencil right or something like that. She is utterly oh, like convinced. Crazy, right? He is utterly convinced. <laughs> and I was like, I, Mom, I don't know, <laughs> you know, if it was like it's a lot to put on poor Miss Mediation. But anyhow, the point is that yeah, yeah, people can lose things if they're not encouraged. So awesome, and I'm so happy to in, have you two meet each other as well. Yes, absolutely. We'll connect, and um, I think we could have some more to talk about. Absolutely. We do takeaways. Emily, you go first. I think that the takeaway that's really sticking with me today is around the happy pencil and just kind of the thing of how do we show up and how do we show up in anything that we're doing, whether it is that we're just sitting at our desk about to type and how are we kind of sitting at our, on our chair and hands on the keyboard, like just how tense we can be and just kind of doing that check-in to just kind of see, uh, okay, are we in a happy state? Are we in that flow state that actually then allows the creativity to flow in anything that we're doing? And I think that that can even just be in conversation, not even necessarily, yeah, something that is like hand-eye coordination sort of thing. So that's a takeaway for me from this call. So my takeaway would be just, I, lo I love how purpose-driven you are. And you, I've heard you share the story of that first child a few times and you, it impacts you the same way every time you tell it. And it's just so important, I believe, to have those stories connected to what we're doing 
that remind us because not every day is a happy pencil day, <laughs> you know, when you're out there going for it, right? And I can only imagine the ups and the downs, you know, that have happened as you're you're getting this. But you know, going back to that early story and, and the many other stories that you would have, the importance of understanding our why or you know that whole really tapping into the purpose. So it's very clear that that you're purpose driven and uh, New Brunswick is lucky to have you and uh, you know there's people that listen you know well beyond New Brunswick that hopefully will reach out to you as well and say we need something in Texas like this or wherever so thanks Jennifer thank you so much for having me I appreciate it so much and Dave I can't wait to see what you create oh yeah oh I have to show you there's, yes oh, I'm gonna be yes, accountable pressure's on now oh my gosh okay I'm gonna I'll start <laughs> Hold me accountable. I'll do something. Okay. It'll be shown on the boiling point. I'll ask him about it next time, Jennifer. <laughs> okay, perfect. I might get Elise, my our, our six-year-old, to help me too, because she's she is super creative. That might be a fun little thing we can do together. So yeah. So we will list all of Jennifer's information and any extras we discussed in the show notes. And the best place to find that is on our website at boilingpointpodcast.com. And we're active on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and we put the video versions on YouTube and Facebook, which if you're listening to this audio, I highly suggest you go watch it video, even just for a second. She popped up onto the screen and I was like, okay, I want you to paint my office. I want you to style my hair. I want you to pick my outfit. <laughs> like, You're so creative. It's not finished. Clearly it's not finished, but none of it. This is an underpainting is what we call it. It's like the first layer. And then the part that's white has nothing. So, okay, well, keep us posted on the final thing. We're all a work in progress. I'm and I'm in front of one. So, you're, you're strategically yes. sitting right in the white middle. Of in the white, the white part, you can't, even, you can't even tell. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, and we'll chat next time. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you for listening. Follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app or visit boilingpointpodcast.com for more. Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.